Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 13 of They Walk Among Us podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This is part one of a two-part story. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. On the morning of Wednesday, December 8th, 2004, a jury stepped onto a bus to travel from Edinburgh High Court to Rowansdyke Path, a countryside shortcut between the residential areas of New Battle and East Houses in Midlothian, Scotland. Wilted sunflowers, stuffed bears, candles and tributes mark the spot of a horrendous tragedy. A year prior, this countryside trail was the location where a 14-year-old girl was brutally murdered. Fourteen-year-olds Luke Mitchell and Jodie Jones began dating during March 2003. At first, the teenagers, who both attended St David's Roman Catholic High School in Dalkeith, socialised occasionally, but as the relationship progressed, they began to spend more time in each other's company. Jodie Jones was born in 1989. She lived with her mother Judith, also known as Judy, her brother Joseph and sister Janine, along with her mother's partner, Alan Ovens, in East Houses, a town located just under 10 miles southeast of Edinburgh. Jodie was viewed as a sensible and reliable child by a family, who affectionately referred to her as Toad. Jodie wrote in her diary each day, composing poems for herself and her friends, and would often spend time making homemade presents for her family. She had a unique sense of style, 
but found it difficult adjusting to life at St. David's High School. After her first year, Jodie's grades gradually began to improve and she would go on to meet Luke Mitchell. Luke Mer Mitchell was born in July 1988 and lived on New Battle Road in Dalkeith, Scotland. His parents Corin and Phil separated when Luke was 11 and he would visit his father on weekends in Livingston, a town located around 20 miles away in West Lothian. Luke's mother ran a caravan park and his father was an electrician. He had an older brother Shane, born in 1980, but Luke's close bond with his mother made Shane feel distant from the family. Luke attended the army cadets in Bonnie Rig Midlothian during the early 2000s, but as an adolescent, his interest changed and he began to argue with his teachers as he felt like an outcast. In 2003, Luke was living with his mother and older brother in a semi-detached property in the village of New Battle, not far from his girlfriend's home. The young couple had a shared interest in music and fashion, both wearing dark baggy clothing, popular for those teenagers into the heavy metal music scene at the time. Luke favoured Korn and Marilyn Manson, while Jodie listened to Nirvana. She particularly liked Nirvana's frontman Kurt Cobain, and posters of the musician covered her walls. Kurt Cobain had taken his own life in April 1994, leaving behind a wife and young daughter. It was an all too familiar story for Jodie, as her father had taken his own life in 1998, aged just 39 years old. Luke Mitchell would often walk the journey between his home in New Battle to his girlfriend's in East Houses. As Luke would walk to Jodie's, he passed New Battle Abbey, following a woodland path on one side and a high stone wall on the other which had fallen into disrepair. Endless overhanging trees surround the secluded area known as Rowan's Dyke Path and there are a number of gaps in the wall that border the path providing access to an adjoining wooded area. Luke lived about 600 metres from the west end of the path, with Jodie's home around 250 metres from the east. A fit person could walk the distance in around 15 minutes. Jodie was told by her mother that she wasn't allowed to walk the journey on her own, so Luke would often collect her. When they were together, the two would smoke cannabis, hanging around Greyfriars Kirkyard, a graveyard in Edinburgh, or during their school lunch breaks in a hideaway known as the Chinese Gardens. These areas tended to be hangouts for those like-minded teenagers who wanted to talk about music and get high. Luke would frequently be seen with large amounts of cash that he obtained by selling drugs to his friends, who also recalled him carrying a knife. He often scared his peers with the blade, and during one incident at an Army Cadet Force platoon meeting, he threatened a former girlfriend with it, placing it at her throat. While Luke laughed this off as a joke, his girlfriend at the time did not find this funny. As Luke was Jodie's first boyfriend, she was infatuated with him, but despite their intimate relationship, Luke had also been in contact with another young girl who lived just a hundred miles away, Kimberly Thompson. She lived in Kenmore, Perthshire, and on the odd occasion when Luke wasn't in Jodie's company, he would contact Kimberly. The pair had met in 2002 while they had both been on holiday and decided to keep in touch over the phone. Kimberly Thompson bore a striking physical resemblance to Jodie Jones, 
but neither of them was aware of the other's relationship with Luke Mitchell. On the morning of June 30th, 2003, Jodie Jones went to school. She attended lessons, and during her lunch break, both Jodie and Luke went to the hideaway known as the Chinese Gardens to smoke cannabis. After Jodie's afternoon lessons, she returned home on the bus, arriving around 4.05pm. Jodie had been grounded the week prior for playing truant and smoking cannabis at her cousin's, but she was told by her mother that the ban had been lifted and she was free to go out. At 4.35pm, Jodie texts Luke telling him she could see him. He messaged her back a minute later and they agreed to meet, but the exact contents of the messages are unknown. Jodie told her mother, That's me off now, Mum. Judith then kissed her daughter goodbye, and Jodie left, but not before asking her mother to save her some lasagna. Her mother had informed Jodie she would need to be back by a 10pm curfew. Sadly, that would be the last time she would see her daughter alive. Around 4.50pm, Jodie left her home in East Houses on foot to meet Luke Mitchell. Jodie left the property and started the journey from Parkhead Place towards New Battle, taking a shortcut through Rowan's Dyke Path. At 5.32pm, Luke called Jodie's home, however no one answered. He then called again eight minutes later, asking if Jodie was in, but was informed by Alan Ovens that Jodie had left already to meet him. Luke replied, OK, cool, and the phone call ended. Alan Ovens then informed Jodie's mum Judith that Luke had been in touch. By 10pm, when Jodie hadn't returned home, her mother Judith became worried as her daughter wasn't in by her curfew. 40 minutes later, Judith contacted Luke via text message asking if he had seen Jodie. He informed Judith he hadn't. Worried small search party gathered and went out looking for Jodie at 11pm. The group consisted of Jodie's grandmother Alice Walker, Jodie's sister Janine and Janine's fiancé Stephen Kelly. Luke left New Battle with his dog and the search party assembled, concentrating their search efforts on Rowan's Dyke Path, believing that would be the route Jodie took as it was a well-known local shortcut running between the two areas. The path is bordered by stone walls which have crumbled over the years, allowing access to other parts of the woodland. As the search party made their way through the trees and foliage on Rowan's Dyke Path, Luke climbed over a V-shaped gap on top of the wall. It was here in the foliage and fallen leaves that he discovered Jodie's body. Jodie was naked apart from a pair of trousers which had been used to bind her hands. Her socks remained on the front parts of her feet. She had a large number of cuts across her torso and head, with a deep slash to her neck. The remainder of her clothes surrounded the scene. Luke alerted the members of the search party, and the authorities were informed. A forensic team worked the scene throughout the night, and over 120 items were removed, including saliva and hair on Jodie's body, but few forensic clues could be found that linked a suspect to the crime. The first forensic expert who arrived couldn't get over the wall due to having a bad back, which led to delays in processing evidence. Additionally, a tent, which would usually be erected over the scene to protect it from the elements, was not put up, leaving it exposed overnight. 
The grassland and foliage were examined for a murder weapon, however before a search of rubbish bins in the surrounding area could be undertaken, they were emptied by the council. In a press conference made shortly after Jodie's body was found, Detective Inspector Tom Martin of the Lothian and Borders Police Force informed the press of the results of the post-mortem. Jodie died as a result of a brutal and frenzied attack involving a knife or other sharp instrument. As you're probably aware, the body, when it was found, was also partially clothed. However, we can also confirm now that there was no sexual assault carried out on Jodie. The post-mortem also revealed defensive wounds to Jodie's body, which implied she struggled with her assailant. A laceration to Jodie's neck would have caused death within minutes. Cuts made to her eyelids, left breast and stomach seemed to have been made post-mortem. Detective Superintendent Craig Dobby stated, It is one of the most violent crimes I have experienced in my 28 years as a police officer. He added there is evidence of a high level of violence at the scene where the body was found. It is assumed at this stage she has been attacked at the scene. DS Dobby advised parents to be vigilant with their children. He said this young girl suffered a violent death and we need to speak to anyone who may have information regarding her death. The path near to where her body was found is used by members of the public as a shortcut from East Houses to New Battle Road, Dalkeith. It is also commonly used by people walking their dogs. We would particularly appeal to anyone who uses this path or was near it between 5pm and 10pm last night to contact the incident room. He went on to add, It would be wrong for me to say that this is a one-off situation because I don't know. I don't want to be alarmist, but I would not like to see this repeated. The following day, Detective Inspector Tom Martin confirmed police had recovered the clothes Jodie wore on the night she was murdered. We have now recovered Jodie's clothing from the scene of the murder and it has been submitted for forensic examination at a laboratory. It's believed that Jodie struggled with her attacker and it is hoped that any such contacts between the two may be identified by our forensic scientists. The incident room had been set up in Dalkeith Police Station and police patrols and roadblocks were carried out in the local area. Jodie's classmates at St David's School were informed of her death in a school assembly a day after she was found and Detective Inspector Martin told the press that given the level of violence there is a high probability a male was involved. DC Michelle Lindsay was appointed as a liaison officer to the Mitchell family and she was often Luke's confidant. Luke told DC Lindsay about the night Jodie was discovered and even drew a sketch of the area where Jodie was found. A forensic psychologist, Ian Stephen, was interviewed by the BBC and explained, The severity of the killing suggests the motive may have been more personal, but whoever carried this out was angry, upset and disturbed. He added, This person is very unlikely to be settled following the incident. They will be disturbed, possibly, obviously disturbed. The perpetrator is likely to be very afraid and is probably lying low. The forensic psychologist continued, The police will systematically be going through all known offenders in the area who may have carried out similar attacks. They will be trying to rule out people using DNA evidence, talking to her friends and anyone who knew her. A reconstruction of the night was undertaken by police shortly after the events of June 30th 
in the hope this might jog a few memories of those witnesses who may have passed Jodie on Rowan's dyke path. Detective Inspector Martin explained to the press why these exercises are important. There are many, many examples where reconstructions have proved the catalyst for major investigations and perhaps some might not have given us the direct witness uh, into the alleged attacker. It has put us on a, a line of inquiry that has taken us there at the end. An updated photograph of Jodie was also released to the public as the initial posters distributed showed a picture of Jodie as a young child. Detective Inspector Martin hoped that this new image might prompt a response. The very fact that it's an updated photograph, but it'll also perhaps uh, give an indication to the public of what a young, carefree, vibrant young girl she was. And that might just be sufficient for somebody who may have some piece of information to pick up that phone and make an all-important phone call for her. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Further appeals were made as there had been two boys spotted on a moped near the scene. It's five days since Jodie Jones was murdered just a few hundred yards down this wooded lane. In that time, police have received more than 500 calls from the public offering information, but they haven't yet heard from two boys who were seen playing in the area on an old motorbike around the time Jodie was killed. Today, detectives appealed for them to come forward and help with the investigation. While police didn't believe the boys spotted were directly linked to the crime, they wished to trace them in order to establish whether they had seen anything. Luke Mitchell was taken to the inquiry headquarters and questioned for a number of hours while his home and any outbuildings were examined by six officers looking for clues that might aid detectives in their search for Jodie's killer. Just under a week later, forensic psychologist Ian Stephen was again interviewed by a TV crew and he believed that the killer was likely from the local area 
and was getting help from an accomplice to hide his crime. I think it'll be very difficult for the perpetrator to stay in that community. I think it'll be very difficult for him unless he's got somebody who's actually looking after him. I would suspect there may be somebody who knows who it is, who may have seen the distress or seen the blood in his clothes. By July 7th, the two boys spotted on the moped, John Ferris, who had since cut off his long hair, and Gordon Dickey, who were both cousins of Jody, came forward and were eliminated from the inquiry. As weeks passed, on July 15th, Jody's aunt made an appeal to the public for more information on behalf of the family. We've agreed to speak to the media on behalf of our sister Judy and for all of Jody's family who have been devastated by her murder. Obviously, this is a very difficult time for the family, but we hope that by making this public appeal, someone who may know what happened to Jodie or has information for the police will come forward. The family are obviously very devastated by what has happened, and an initial reaction by Judy, her mother, was, things like this just don't happen here. Why now? Why my baby? And the only thing keeping the family going is catching the person responsible for this. Police explored the surrounding area where Jody was found, but despite a thorough search being carried out, they failed to uncover a knife or similar weapon which had been used in the attack. Soil and vegetation samples were taken in the hope this might shine a light on the events of that fateful night. Despite no physical evidence being obtained that could link an individual to the crime, two witnesses did come forward on Wednesday, July 16th, Detectives announced that one witness had potentially significant information which would aid the investigation. Police appealed to a young man who was seen walking behind Jodie as she made her way towards the path, both on the night of the murder and he was also spotted at the reconstruction. Another witness explained that they spotted another individual yet to be identified who looked to be 20 years old, white, between 5 foot 7 and 5 foot 10 inches tall, of stocky build with short, untidy light brown hair. He may have been wearing a grey hooded sweat top and carrying a rucksack or backpack. On Saturday, July 19th, the alarm was raised after the police were informed a member of the public had found a weapon in a garden hedge 400 yards from the location of the crime. The police undertook an investigation and discovered the person who placed it there at the beginning of June did not appear to be connected to the crime so no further action was taken. During that same weekend, police had found one of the individuals seen on the night Jody was murdered and also spotted during the reconstruction. He heard the appeal after recognising himself, so contacted police and was eliminated from the inquiry. Towards the end of July, officers investigating the murder staged another roadblock in East Houses questioning more than 500 drivers in an attempt to trace anyone that might have seen Jodie on the night she was killed. The following month, Luke Mitchell was taken to attend Dalkeith Police Station and was again interviewed for several hours, however was released later that day without charge. As the inquiry continued, classes had resumed at both St David's Roman Catholic High School and Dalkeith, a new battle high close to where Jodie's body was found. Police had been stationed outside the gates to offer reassurance and safety advice for both pupils and students. As Jodie's killer hadn't yet been apprehended, safety notices were given to pupils across schools in the local area and Donald Mackay, the Midlothian Director of Education, was interviewed 
as he wanted to ensure the safety of all youngsters in the community. We don't want to scare Munger, but we do want to make sure that all of our youngsters are as safe as they possibly can. The parent of some of the children who received the safety notices explained that she was not letting her children take any shortcuts through secluded pathways and believed the attack was very much in the minds of other parents. On the nice days they like to come through the field, um, but I think we'll have to insist that they, they come up round the main road just to make sure that they're, they're not um, out of view from adults. I think it's going to be in the minds of many parents, especially over the summer holidays, while the children are out playing. I think um, we're going to have to all be very extra vigilant. The police launched a further appeal for a number of homeless individuals who appeared to be living in a cave on the grounds of an old abbey in East Houses. Evidence suggested that they had left in a hurry after a sleeping bag looked to have been set on fire. Both DNA and forensic evidence was collected, but shortly after the appeal, the vagrants came forward and were interviewed but ultimately ruled out. As weeks turned to months, police undertook thousands of interviews and had staged a reconstruction of Jodie's last known movements, but had made little progress. Luke Mitchell attempted to return to school, however was stopped from doing so after he was informed by education officials that he would have to miss the first few days of term at St David's High, as there were concerns for his welfare. It was reported the school wanted a few days to allow teachers to speak to pupils regarding the appropriate behaviour they should show towards one another, given Luke had been questioned by police a number of times. Donald Mackay, the Midlothian Director of Education, defended the decision, explaining, I'm looking at the wider picture and I am concerned about everybody's safety as well as Luke's safety as part of efforts to return pupils to school. He went on to say, it was my judgement that it was better to get the school settled down over the next couple of days and then get Luke back in on Friday probably and get things back to normal for everybody. Flowers, candles and teddy bears covered the grass near the scene along with heartfelt notes quoting the lyrics from Jodie's favourite band Nirvana. One card that stood out from all the other tributes included a picture of a dove and a single word written in capital letters. Why? A memorial service was held for Jodie Jones at Gorebridge Parish Church on September 3rd, 2003. The service was attended by over 200 mourners who wore sunflower emblems to symbolise Jodie's life. The presiding minister, Reverend Mark Nicholas, said Jodie's mother, Judith, had asked that the service reflect the joy that Jodie had brought to everyone in her short life. Judy said that she wanted today to be a celebration of Jodie's life. It has been that. Her wish was also to share a message of hope, said the Reverend. Floral tributes were laid beside the coffin, and along with Jodie's family, over four dozen pupils from Jodie's school attended the service. Senior detectives, including Detective Inspector Tom Martin and Detective Superintendent Craig Dobby, were also in attendance. The Nirvana song Come As You Are was played, and after the service, Jodie was buried in a plot next to her father. Jodie's gravestone reads, Sunshine Memories of Jodie Jones, taken from us on the 30th of June 2003, aged 14 years. My baby, my wee mentor, Mammy. Loved dearly by her dad Jimmy and much loved wee sis of Joseph and Janine. The lyrics from the song Come As You Are by Nirvana were placed underneath the inscription along with a smiling face synonymous with the band. 
Further inscription reads, we can feel sad that she is gone, or open our eyes, smile, love, and go on as she'd want. Jodie's family asked well-wishers to plant a sunflower in her memory, instead of sending flowers. Luke Mitchell had been absent from Jodie's funeral and was interviewed by Sky News. He explained how disappointed he was that he couldn't be present at the service, however accepted Jodie's family's wishes that he not attend. Luke was asked by news anchor James Matthews if he had murdered Jodie, and he replied, No, I never. I wouldn't think of it. I mean, in all the time we were going out, we never had one argument at all. Never fell out or anything. Addressing missing the funeral service, Luke went on to add, That was a hard blow. I was dreading going to the funeral, but I did want to go, and being told not to go due to the fact it would turn the funeral into a circus, a media circus, was bad. It would have been a media circus without me, but if it was the family's wishes, that's what I was going to do. Luke's mother can be seen in the footage, sitting next to her son on the sofa with her hands on Luke's shoulders. Later that day, despite being asked to stay away from the funeral by Jodie's family, along with his mother, Luke took his dog to Gorebridge Parish Church where he laid a tribute to Jodie. A TV crew were in attendance and filmed the event. By the middle of September 2003, Luke Mitchell had left St David's Roman Catholic High School as his mother claimed he was being segregated from the other pupils. Most locals believed he played some part in Jodie's death, however this was something that Luke and his family vehemently denied. The police stressed to the press that although Luke had been questioned, the interviews were merely a matter of procedure. By November 2003, a trust fund which had been set up for the Jones family had raised almost £20,000 since being started in July. The charity efforts included sponsored bike rides, collections by the local community and a charity football match. On November 21st, the police submitted a report which named the prime suspect in the case. However, no action was taken over the Christmas period. In the new year, senior detectives working on the case asked the FBI for their assistance. On April 14, 2004, the police would finally arrest the person they believe was responsible for Jodie Jones's murder. This is the end of episode 13. For more details on the arrest of Jodie's killer, the court case and the following appeals, please tune in next time. Thank you for listening and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. For more information, please visit theywalkamonguspodcast.com. If you would like to support the podcast and receive early access to ad-free episodes along with other extras, head to patreon.com forward slash theywalkamonguspodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at TWAU underscore podcast or follow us on Instagram and Facebook under They Walk Among Us podcast. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.